Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. But you know what? It's more than that. We want to help you thrive in the midst of today's cancel culture. Our goal is to raise up workplace warriors who will stand for what they believe in, whatever the cost. You can find out more by visiting expertownership.com. But without further ado, here we go. Welcome back to the Expert Ownership Podcast. This is David. I actually booted Jason. Thank the Lord. I told Jason, listen, I want to talk about this issue because we have just seen this Nashville shooting, this horrific tragedy um, in Nashville, and now the mainstream media and everything that surrounds it and the whole idea of a transgendered uh, woman who went in and, and did these things, and now we're beginning to see all of this stuff surface about the Trans Day of Vengeance and raising money for weapons and all of these other things. And it's like, okay, well, how is we as Christian business owners, how are we to represent the kingdom? You think about the word kingdom, it's king's dominion. How do we exercise king's dominion, our king, Jesus, his dominion in the marketplace, in the middle of all of this stuff that's happening? Now, a lot of business leaders are kind of weighing in on this. And I thought, Jason, you and I have got to say something, and I got to say it right now. And Jason goes, dude, I can't record right now. And so anyway, I said, okay, well, fine. That's I'm rolling up into the podcast studio, and I'm going to do it myself. But here's the thing. We as Christ followers, first and foremost, have to understand that the gospel is rooted in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. There is nothing new here. This is the same message that the early church had that we have today, Acts 3.19, therefore repent and return that your sins may be wiped away or washed away and times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. How many of you want to be refreshed in your life? You want your children to be refreshed, your children's children to be refreshed, or every person that we interact with in the marketplace every single day, whether it's your customers, whether it's employees or your employer, your boss, or it's your vendors, whatever it may be, we want people to be refreshed. As kingdom leaders, as Christians, we want to bring the gospel, which is the good news. Remember, the gospel is good news. And of course, during this Easter time, this is the whole season of the gospel. It's the good news. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And of course, he ascended into heaven. He said, I'm going to return. And when he returns, he's coming back for a spotless bride. So I'm talking specifically to Christian entrepreneurs, business owners, and marketplace believers. This is who we're speaking to today. So how are we supposed to navigate all of this? What are, how are we supposed to think? And what does Scripture say? And what's really going on? All right, so I want to start right there. What's really going on? When we see this type of violence, when we see this type of murder and bloodshed and vengeance on the earth, that is not a political manifestation. That is a spiritual manifestation of the battle between good and evil, light and darkness, truth and lies. This woman who said she was a transgender man, this woman uh, was desperately hurting. I read some of uh, what she was saying to friends before she went in and did this, and she was incredibly hurting. She said, today I'm going to die, and I just want you to know that this is going to be it. And I cannot imagine 
the pain that she has struggled with over her life, and yet the devil whispering in her ear. And then remember, we, we've talked on this podcast before, thoughts become feelings, feelings become actions. The key is that when a thought hits your mind, we have to take it captive, as Scripture teaches us. Take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. Don't allow it to become a feeling, because once you allow that thought of anger towards somebody to become a feeling, all of a sudden now vengeance is starting to reside in your heart, and now a root of bitterness is growing, right? It turns into malice and rage, which turns into murder. That's why Jesus went right to the end and said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've murdered him. That's Matthew chapter 5. That's the Sermon on the Mount. So we can't allow thoughts to become a feeling because eventually those feelings become an action. It's the same way for lust. It's the same way for any type of deceit or perversion of any kind. So we we have to ask ourselves, you know, when I look at, at what happened in Nashville, okay, Lord, What's really going on? We know it's a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, rulers, and authorities of darkness. So how is this battle manifesting? Well, certainly we're seeing this violence, but it's even more than that. It's way before that. So if we go back to the Garden of Eden and we see how God designed life. So when we look at king's dominion, right? Kingdom. We look at, well, what is the dominion of God as it results as it, as it relates to the design of humans? And when we think about the design of human beings and the Garden of Eden, let's go all, th- there's a theological phrase called the law of first mentions. So when you want to know what God thinks about something in the, in the, the- theological circles, you go back to the law of first mentions. Well, what did God first say about the thing? Jesus did this with divorce when asked about divorce. And Jesus said, well, what does scripture say? And they said, well, Moses said you could give a certificate of divorce. And then Jesus immediately goes, but from the beginning, it was not this way. So he goes to the law of first mention. That's what we want to do in this situation when we're seeing all of the cultural nonsense that's happening around us. And we are kingdom business leaders. We are kingdom Christians in the workplace. How do we navigate this? Well, one of the first and most important things that we need to do is we need to understand the times, understand what's happening spiritually. So you go back to the Garden of Eden, the law of first mentions, God created male and female. God created marriage. God created sexual intimacy inside that, which is the covenant union. When the two become one flesh, God created the birth of children as a result of that union. And God created that as a design. It it reflects his union with us. It's a beautiful picture in the Garden of Eden. Now, is the devil, here you have God creating all of these things. He creates man. He cultivates Adam out of the ground, which shows that God is a working God. And Adam then is to cultivate the earth. So he's created in God's image to cultivate, to work. And if you've listened to our podcast long enough, you know your work is worship. There are three paradigms. You're a minister, you're on mission, and your work is worship if you know Christ and you're in the workplace. That's a beautiful thing. So we are cultivators just like God. And God cultivates Adam out of the ground and then separates Eve from his rib, pulls a rib out, separates Eve, and then tells them, now come back together. So they, God creates the two-ness and now oneness male and female, each working together in perfect harmony and unity. And then something enters the world and screws everything up. And that was sin. 
So as soon as sin entered the world, what was the first thing Adam and Eve recognized? They were straight up naked. So their eyes went off of God and onto themselves. Now, the very things that God created in the garden, now, instead of looking at it according to God's design, we look at according to selfish motives. That's when lust and perversion and, and all of these things enter into the world. So this is what's literally happening. Now we are born with sin nature. I did not have to teach my five children how to lie, cheat, and steal. They knew it from the beginning. My two-year-old, little fatty Bailey, when he was two years old, just his belly just dripping out over his diapers, has a cookie in his hand and cookie crumbs on his face. And I said, Bailey, did you take a cookie while he's chewing it, cheeks full, he's shaking his head no. (laughs) What a liar. I didn't teach that boy how to do that. But here's the thing is we are born with a sin nature. As a result, God sent his son Jesus to forgive us of our sins, that through Christ we can be reconciled to God. And now our decision, it's our responsibility to align ourselves with God's design. And if we align ourselves with God's design for every area of life, that's what leads to flourishing. Number one, you cannot align your soul, you can, or you cannot align your spirit with God unless the Holy Spirit convicts you and brings you, and that's what we see. Boom, you're now born again. It's a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's amazing, but that does not happen in your mind. That happens in your spirit. Your spirit is born again, but you have to now transfer that to your mind That's why Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 reads, check this out, and this is all important. It applies to business because we are holistic. It's all about king's dominion. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I uh, appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Hold that word for just a second. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We'll talk about that in just a second. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Of your mind. So that's, that's I didn't read the rest of the verse because I want to move on, but by you, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your spirit has been born again, but now you have to be transformed. Your mind's not transformed because you, you could, you're now a butterfly in the spirit, but you're still thinking like a caterpillar. So you have to renew your mind. Now here's what's happening. It says to present your what? your bodies as a living sacrifice. What's happening with this transgendered movement is it is an assault on the kingdom of God. It is an assault on the God, on the way that God designed human beings and honestly, the authority of God because the transgender movement, its worldview does not say you're a sinner in need of a savior and a holy God created you and you submit to that God so that you can flourish according to his design. The transgender movement says, I am good, I am God, and instead of transforming my mind because it's marred by sin, I am good and therefore I will transform my body according to how my mind thinks. It is a complete opposite kingdom. That's what we are seeing. So we as believers have to speak the truth. We speak it in love, we speak it with compassion and kindness, but we boldly speak it. So now here we find ourselves in the middle of this spiritual reality where the trans movement, the word trans is actually used in scripture to be transformed by renewing your mind, not transgendered 
by mutilating your body. Do you see what's happening here? The devil is literally targeting the design and the image of God. Now, that doesn't minimize the fact that there are people that are genuinely confused, that are genuinely hurting, that have been genuinely abused. But what we do is we lead them to Acts chapter 3, verse 19, which is the same as it's always been. Hey, if you repent of your sin and turn to Christ, your sins will be wiped away and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, now the presence of God is in your life and you can align yourself with God's design and God's image. And when you do, there's flourishing. That is the most important thing for us to understand. Well, what's happening in the culture? See, when we don't speak like that and we have our celebrity preachers and they're all cool, but they don't talk about this kind of stuff because they don't want to offend somebody, their income, image, and influence matters more to them than speaking truth. Well, they're not real shepherds. You're, you just, you're, you're up underneath a life coach. Get out of there. You need to go get up under a real shepherd that speaks the word of God truthfully in a loving way. Well, check this out. So mainstream media is not covering the fact that the Trans Day of Vengeance was announced on March the 6th in D.C. And it, it's not, it was the Trans Day of Vengeance was announced on March the 6th that they were going to have a gathering in D.C., and they were raising money for firearms. And many trans people were showing pictures of themselves with arms, like with M16s, not M16s, but AR15s and assault rifles and pistols. And, and then they start tweeting all this stuff out. Well, listen to one of the tweets. This is, this is surrounding the Trans Day of Vengeance. These are tweets before the Nashville shooting. This is a transgendered woman. Now, I, it, I still get confused. Transgender man, transgender woman, I don't know. This was a young girl. That's all I know. I could see it. She's a woman. And she said, and she's, she's in this picture and she's got this assault rifle on her, her hair's pink. And she's looking at the camera. She's looking at the, uh, the camera, uh, very uh, eerie and says, kill Christ cucks, behead Christ cucks, roundhouse kick Christ cucks into the concrete, slam dunk a Christ cuck baby into the trash can, crucify filthy Christ cucks, defecate in a Christ cucks food. Launch Christ cucks into the sun. Now, did that tweet get taken down? No. That tweet was out there. Now, after Nashville, that tweet gets taken down. So you have three weeks of this nonsense on Twitter. Multiple transgendered people are putting out this kind of stuff. And then, boom, we have the Nashville tragedy. Christians were targeted. This was a hate crime against Christians. Three innocent Kids, nine-year-olds, and three adults were murdered in cold blood by a transgendered person who had a manifesto, and it's interesting that as of right now, as of my recording right now, they've not published the manifesto because I believe, I hope I'm wrong, but it doesn't. it, it just doesn't go along with the agenda of mainstream media because they want Christians to still be the bad guys in all of this. Well, Christians are targeting transgenders and transgender, this whole trans day of vengeance, they're saying we have to arm ourselves because we're not concerned about visibility anymore. We will be heard. It's like, why are you arming yourselves? What? There is no violence against the transgender community coming out of the church. Are you kidding me? We're speaking the truth. We're speaking it in love. And now that is being twisted into murder against transgenders. That's being twisted into hate, bigotry, and literally the word murder is being used now. They're saying that you're trying to kill us. You're trying to murder us. That is wrong. 
So the gospel, it is an attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is an attack on the design and the image of God. And so what are we supposed to do as Christians? As marketplace believers, what are we supposed to do? Three simple words. I'm going to give all three of them. Number one, demonstrate. Number two, define. And number three, defend. Demonstrate the kingdom. Define the kingdom and defend the kingdom. Now, when I say the word defense, it's like the Apostle Paul saying, make a defense for the scripture. In other words, we have to understand. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go backwards. I'm not going to start with demonstrate. I'm going to start with defense. A defense of the gospel is crucial right now because the gospel has not changed for two millennia. Repent and return that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Every marketplace believer in the world right now, especially in America, I'm speaking mostly to an American audience, we must make a defense of the gospel, that the gospel is true, the gospel is real. Jesus Christ came, he was killed, he was buried, he resurrected, he ascended into heaven, he's going to return, and he wants you to come back with him. And oh, by the way, Palm Sunday, when he came in, he was riding a donkey, That was a symbol. When a king came into a city riding a donkey, that was a symbol of peace. What is he going to return on? A white horse. That was the symbol of a conquering king. Listen, meet him on the donkey. Don't meet him on that white horse. That's not mean. That's truth. Let's fear God. Let's see the gift that Jesus gave us. But we have to make a defense of the gospel. So what is happening? When we see the trans day of vengeance and we see all this transgender activism and we see rampant homosexuality with this LGBTQ radical agenda that is distorting and twisting truth, we as workplace Christians can't just sit back and point at our pastor and say, fix it. Well, he ain't. It's us. We have to be salt and light. Thank God for the pastors that are out there speaking truth, but we can't just leave it to them. We've got to be salt and light. So we have to be able to speak and say, hey, you know what the real issue here? is that God created the heavens and the earth, and he knows you. Speak Psalm 139 over people. He created you marvelous. Wonderful are his works. His thoughts about you are more innumerable than the sand on the seashore. He loves you. He created you for a purpose. Oh, but here's the catch. You're a sinner, and so am I. I was born with it. Ain't nobody had to teach me how to sin. And you know what? The same is true for your story. And because of that sin, we have to repent. We have to confess that we are not God, We have sinned and erred against his way and his design, and therefore we want to be brought back in alignment with God. See, when we begin to speak with people like this, and then all of a sudden, if if someone gets mad at you, whatever, they're mad at the gospel. Because the ultimate battle is a spiritual battle. The devil hates when we speak truth. Because the scripture teaches us that you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The devil does not want freedom for the captives. The devil wants this young girl that went in and murdered these six human souls, these human beings. The devil wants that human completely captive to thinking that is unrighteous, to thinking that she was born the wrong way and, and all of these things. And the enemy is Christians. The enemy is Jesus. That's the enemy. And so I'm going to go kill the enemy. That's exactly what happened. And that's what they're pushing out on social media. Well, the reason why is because that is the devil himself speaking. We are watching it with our own eyes. We are seeing a manifestation of a spiritual battle. So we have to make a defense for the gospel. 
We have to know how to witness. We have to know how to evangelize. And we have to understand that we are we have a worldview right now in academia that mankind is inherently good. And therefore, we need government to simply root out the bad guys. And we need to make sure that everybody... Um, can can do whatever they want and have full autonomy over their bodies and over anything. Well, that is just that's just pure evil because mankind is not inherently good. Mankind is inherently evil. God didn't create us that way. Sin came into the world and marred our nature, and therefore we have a sinful nature and we need Christ. So that's the thing. And now when you know Christ, now you bring your thinking into alignment and you are transformed into the image of God. That's that's your mind begins to be transformed. Now it says in Romans 12:1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What is he saying there? Your body is going to rage against the truth. Your body is going to say, if you're a married man and you're struggling with your wife and you're out on a business trip and there's another young lady presents herself to you, your body is saying one thing. But your mind has to say another thing. That is sin. That is wrong. That's adultery. And that is not right in the image of God. And that is that is a, a sin against my wife and my children, right? We have to speak that kind of stuff. That's wrong. It's evil. In the same way, homosexuality is the same thing. Transgenderism, same thing. None of us are any different from any others. The only issue, the only exception there is homosexuality is against nature. Transgenderism is against nature. And so we have to present our bodies. As a living sacrifice, you know the problem with a living sacrifice? It always wants to crawl off the altar. I know that feeling. So everybody has a propensity towards some kind of sin or another, whether it's deceit or greed, lust, anger, whatever, drunkenness. Okay? We have that propensity. We have to present our bodies and say, God, I will not be controlled by my body today. I will not be controlled by the flesh. And so I ask you to renew my mind and transform me so that I can speak truth and align with your design for me so that I can flourish. That is life. That is healing. That is amazing. That's the gospel. So we have to define, we have to make a defense of the gospel. And then moving back up, we have to, um, what did I say? Demonstrate, define, and defend. Oh, I was using defense. Okay, so then define and defend kind of go together. So we have to define. We have to be able to define the gospel, and we need to be able to defend it. So when people start coming at us and like, well, you're hateful and you're a bigot. No, are you kidding me? And we can clearly and articulate, speak the truth and keep it very simple. As I loved how my dad would say this when I was a kid, but if a fifth grader would pick up the Bible and read it, I highly doubt he would come up with some of this crazy doctrine stuff that we, at our seminaries, we get so deep in doctrine. We can't even, we, we can't even really just hold a simple conversation and share the gospel. Right now, I love doctrine. I love study. I do this myself, but we have to, in a very simple way, in, as in the workplace, be able to define and also to make a defense for the gospel when it's under attack, and also clearly define the gospel so that we can uh, be be part of God's labor pool uh, for the harvest. That's what He wants us to do. But then the most important one is the first one that I mentioned, the first step, and that's demonstrate. I love how Leonard Ravenhill, the famous pastor, said it, is we don't need a new definition of Christianity. We need a new demonstration of it. I love that. Our lives must demonstrate the power of the kingdom. Our lives must be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we rude, intolerant, mean? Are we hateful? 
Are we cheaters with our taxes? Do we tip well? Are we angry at the server because they didn't get our food right? Like, what kind of people are we demonstrating ourselves to be? Because if you're out there making a defense of the gospel and clearly defining the gospel, but you don't demonstrate it, then everything that you say is like a filthy gong. 1 Corinthians 13 teaches, because we've got to be motivated by love. That's the only way to demonstrate the kingdom. You have to be motivated by love. And love looks like something. If my three-year-old daughter, if I'm sitting on my porch, I've got a great porch. I love my porch. And if my daughter is, she's not three anymore, but when she was three, if she, you know, she's got a little pigtails and a white dress, so cute. I just remember her in those little dresses. Uh, my youngest, uh, Ava, and then my oldest daughter, Ella. And if my daughter, let's just say Ava, is bounding toward the street, down the driveway, across my front yard, and she she's sitting there walking, and I look up as I'm sitting on my porch, and I see that there's a, a pickup truck barreling down the road, and she's moving toward the road. And I, I the first thing I love would do, Ava, stop, slow down, come back this way. But if she keeps moving, I may have to raise my voice, Ava, get back. If she keeps moving, what does love do at that moment? And I see that truck barreling down, and she's about to step out into the street. That truck doesn't see her. She doesn't see the truck. What would love do? Love springs out of that rocking chair off the porch, jumps over the bushes, and if I have to grab a pigtail, I'm grabbing it, right? And then she, imagine I grab her pigtail, and then she, she falls backward onto the ground, and the truck barrels by at 25 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour. And she looks at me and starts screaming, you hate me, daddy. Why did you hurt me? That hurt. And she's holding her little pigtail. Uh, she has no idea that I just gave her the ultimate act of love. Like I stopped her. So when we demonstrate the kingdom, it's out of love. We are speaking the truth in love and we do it even if it hurts. So this is where we have to be as, as kingdom marketplace Christians. This whole thing with the Trans Day of Vengeance, by the way, they're still holding their rally in D.C. even after the shootings, and now they're getting even more aggressive, saying the Christians are the ones that are making a, leading to this. ABC News, the way, now they didn't say that Christians were to blame for Nashville, but they brought the correlation as a result of, in Tennessee, transgenderism was barred and outlawed and they could not express themselves. And now we see this killing in this covenant school. I mean, I'm like, are you kidding me? You're drawing these logical conclusions. So we have to be able to speak to these things. But if we are going to speak to them, our lives have to be a demonstration of the power of the kingdom. So how are we working? Are we cutting corners? Are we the ones that people look to whenever there's problems at the office or at the school or whether whether you're a coach or whoever you may be, whatever context that you're in? Are you a thermostat or a thermometer? Do you simply reflect the culture or do you set the culture? If the room is hot, do you cool it down? If the room is cold, do you warm it up? We're thermostats as kingdom believers, right? We have to demonstrate the kingdom. So what are we supposed to do today? Number one, demonstrate the kingdom. Number two, de define it. Be able to define that this is, this is a spiritual battle. God loves you. He created you. Read Psalm 139 to people. 
Let them know the gospel. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Let them know in the Garden of Eden how God created things, but sin came into the world. And let them know very simply that you don't have to teach kids how to do wrong. You have to teach them how to do right. Why is that? Because sing the Amazing Grace song. Well, don't sing it. I, I actually word it. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Wretch like me. We are born sinners. That is fundamentally the opposite of the transgender movement and this whole radical LGBTQ movement. And so instead of allowing our minds to be transformed, we're now transforming our bodies because we believe we are God. And that's just not true. That's not good. That's not good for anyone. That will not allow, that will not lead to human flourishing. We have to be able to, to define that. And then lastly, we have to make a defense for the gospel. We have to be willing to stand our ground. We have to be willing to tell the truth and not back down. So if we're going to do that, I believe that that's what expert owners look like because we're talking about expert ownership here. How can I be an expert owner? Well, number one, you got to own every area of your life. Let's own our faith. Let's own these conversations. Let's own the narrative that's coming against Christians and say, no, that's not true. And when we say, no, that's not true, here's what the kingdom says. Here's what the word of God says. And hopefully you can point to Christians that are in the marketplace. Hopefully you can point to your own life that says, I've been saved, I've been changed, and here's, I don't, you know, these are the things that God has me do. And when they interact with you in the marketplace, they should say, yeah, they're right. They, they really are the real deal. You know, in today's day and age, we are respected most by those who know us least. Social media, likes, views, all that nonsense. It's not nonsense necessarily because it's not bad, but we don't, we're, we can't identify ourselves by that. But we are liked most by those who know us least. And many times we are liked least by those who know us most. We got to flip that upside down. We need to be liked and respected most by those who know us the most. Starting in our own homes. And you know what? If we are liked least by those who know us least, so be it. People came out at me and Jason. You know, we, we didn't put the black square for BLM on our social media. And I had Christian leaders like saying, you know, these you white supremacists. It's like, come on. You don't even know me, man. And I could care less. I don't give a rat's behind what you think about me because you don't even know me. Why don't you talk to my wife and my kids? Why don't you talk to the people in our church? Why don't you talk to the people in our office? Why don't you talk to our employees? See if, see if they think we're the real deal. So that's the way that we have to respond in, in terms of like, we got to look at our own lives. Are we demonstrating the kingdom? Now, I don't always do it, but hopefully when you don't, you repent. Make it right. Walk in relationship with people. So let's go get it. I don't have an own it or loan it today because Jason's not here. And quite frankly, I'm just so glad this feels great. I've talked for 30 minutes without one interruption. I think I'm gonna start doing this again. All right, guys, listen, go out and own it. Let's demonstrate. Let's define. Let's defend the kingdom and let's live it out in Jesus name. God bless you. We'll see you next week. I've been really, really feeling it. Feeling it. Gotta bust a move, watch out.